Hey y'all, this is your girl Amber, Reaching Your Potential. In this episode, I am going to talk about some occupational therapy myths. Now, there are some things that people think when they think about occupational therapy, other, also known as OT. The problem is that some people believe that some of these things are true. And I'm here to debunk these OT myths once and for all. So for those who may not know what OT is, they may have heard about it and may believe some of these myths, this is an episode for you. So let's get started. to talk quickly about what occupational therapy is or what does it mean, right? So OT in general is a health profession where the goal is to get whoever you're working with, so the individual, the client, the patient, to be able to do the things that they need to do, should be doing, and want to do. And those encompass our occupations. Occupations is just a fancy way or a fancy word to describe things that occupy our time. So from the moment you wake up in the morning, just think about all the things that you do. You brush your teeth, you take a shower, you put on clothes, you take care of your hair, like when you comb your hair, brush your hair, braid your hair, you eat, you may drive to work, you walk. You use the bathroom. All of these things occupy our times. These are our routines. And in occupational therapy, we are mostly sometimes working with patients who have an impairment. They may have a certain, um, they may have a certain diagnosis, or they may be diagnosed with a certain disease or specific disease that impacts these meaningful occupations. And as OTs, we're here to restore their function, or sometimes we may have to modify and show them creative ways to still engage in these meaningful activities. So that's just a quick blurb of what OT is. Now, this episode is about debunking these occupational therapy myths because there are people out there in our world where One, they may not know what OT is, and two, they may believe some of these myths. And I'm just here to debunk them and kind of explain why they aren't true. (laughs) So there's a few myths that I just think of because one, I have heard them said to me (laughs) as an OT, and two, I just seen them on social media about what OT does, or even just like in our health field. You know, sometimes other health professionals may believe some of these myths as well, and they are in the profession where they should know what OTs do. So I'm going to stop there. Let's start with some of these myths and let's debunk them. Okay, so the first one I'm going to talk about because this myth (laughs) I heard in the gym 
um, some person approached me at the gym and we were having a quick conversation and he asked me what I do for a living. And I told him I'm an occupational therapist. And he asked me, oh yeah, OTs, they help you get jobs, right? That's number one. OTs can help you get jobs, but that's not what we do. That is not, just because the word occupation is in the name or the title of our profession does not mean that's the only thing we do. We do not help people get jobs. We can, in a way, if you think about work hardening programs and being a job coach and teaching someone how to do their job because of an impairment they may have, that's different. But the whole point of our job isn't getting people jobs. That's not what we do. <laughs> so I just want to debunk that. Um, we are focusing on what occupies your time, not your employment. We're not really focusing on what you do for a living. But we look at you in a whole picture. We do care about what roles you play in society. You may be a mom. You might be a, a dad. You may be a sibling. You may be a teacher. You may be a chef. You may be a healthcare worker. But... We have to understand that does it impact your daily function? Whatever you're dealing with, that impairment, is it impacting your role to do the things that really occupy your time, which are those meaningful occupations, not specifically your job? So <laughs> that one is debunked. Goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> okay. So the next myth that I have heard or in scene in um, different settings is that OT is only working on fine motor or upper body, right? I have heard PTs say that about OTs that, yeah, we just do fine motor things or we just focus on the upper body. And I really want to debunk that because as I mentioned before, occupational therapy, we look at the person as a whole. So we can't just focus on upper body stuff if they can't do lower body things too. There are lower body ADLs that we still have to focus on, like putting on your pants, washing yourself in the lower body area. Can you stand and be able to tolerate standing at the sink while grooming yourself by brushing your teeth and combing your hair so we are not just a half upper like we're not a half body therapist and I really try to emphasize that during my sessions with my patients too because yes we do upper body stuff but we don't just stop there we don't just focus on the hands and that's one thing I really get bothered by when people say like, yeah, you, you do the hands, you work on the hands. We do, but that's not the, that's not all we do. So I really want to debunk that myth because we do more than that. Yes, we can focus on fine motor if that's something the patient or the client has to work on, but we can also do gross motor activities as well. Can the patient be able to bend over and reach for something on the floor with maintaining their proper mechanics? Can they reach over without losing their balance? 
those things are gross motor activities. Can they reach behind their head to pull off their shirt? These are gross motor things. We look at everything, not just fine motor. We look at gross motor. We don't look at just upper body stuff. We look at lower body too. So I hope you understand that that myth <laughs> is not true. Okay, so next thing is people think that OT is just for older adults. <laughs> and I really want to debunk that myth as well because we don't work with just older adults. We work with everyone across the lifespan. So from the beginning, someone is born, you can start having OT. Why? Because sometimes there's a kiddo or a baby that is a newborn that may not be meeting the milestones they need to achieve in order to be successful in living. So great OTs, such as OTs in early intervention, are fantastic with this because they are able to help the parent, one, be able to care for their child and provide the proper services for them to reach those really important milestones. So if a kiddo is unable to crawl at a certain part of their journey of living, if they're unable to sit at least by six months, then we need to incorporate some activities and teach the parent how to engage the child into those activities to help them properly develop and not have to play catch up when they're about to enter preschool, when they're going to enter kindergarten. If we can attack it right then and there, we are able to help them so easily. We can help them tremendously where they don't have to worry about paying out of pocket. Early intervention is free for everyone. As long as they qualify, you're gonna get the services, which is a beautiful thing. So you can help your child develop normally if there is a specific delay in maybe cognitive, physical, emotional, social, something. If there's a delay, you can always go to your pediatrician and say like, hey, can I get a referral for an occupational therapist? An OT will come in and evaluate your child and see if there's a delay and then you can start services. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So no, we don't just work with older adults. We can work with babies. We can work with kids. We can work in schools. It doesn't matter how young or old the child is. As the child gets older, at least by like three years old, that's when we start to see kiddos in schools and you get to prepare them. You get to help them be successful in the natural environment in the classroom and be able to be successful academically. Sometimes there are students that may need those extra services or that extra support to be successful in the classroom and in school. And that's where OTs come in. So I really hope you understand that OTs don't just work with older adults, we work with everyone, if you think about it. Okay, the next myth that I wanna debunk is that OTs only work in the medical field or medical settings. And I kinda just talked about how we don't <laughs> do that. Um, 
as I mentioned before, we work in, we can work in schools, which is a great thing because we get to be that support system for the child. We can also work in our clients' homes. There's home health OT. Um, there are home health OTs that actually provide OT services in the home, which I think is a beautiful thing. I mentioned before I got my job now working in a nursing home, I was working in home health, which meant me traveling to my patients' homes and providing OT services there. And I think that was beautiful because I was able to see them in their natural environment, which is their home. If we wanted to practice transfers from the wheelchair to the toilet, this is their actual toilet in their own bathroom, in their own home. So everything was all in a natural setting, which I think is a great thing to think about in home health. But no, OTs don't just work in medical field settings. They can work in traditional settings like what I just mentioned or non-traditional settings as well. There are OTs in the prison system. There are OTs in mental health facilities. OTs can work basically anywhere. We can always advocate for our profession because we can bring so much to the table. So I just wanted you guys to keep that in mind that the options are endless in OT, which is pretty cool. Whew. Now this one, I have heard from clients, from patients, so many times, and I really always have to educate them that this is not true. <laughs> the myth that I'm going to debunk is that OTs and PTs are the same. You guys do the same thing, right? No, we do not. <laughs> we do not do the same thing, okay? So physical therapists, the best way I like to explain it is that physical therapists are focusing on regaining that strength, that range of motion in your body. So they focus a lot on that restorative approach to get back that strength, to get back that range of motion so you can A, stand up, A, um, B, be able to walk. Um, a lot of patients love to just walk. They're like, I want to walk, I want to walk, I want to walk. Okay, PTs can focus on that. OTs, on the other hand, we're focusing on using that strength to do something you have to do on a daily basis. Okay, so for example, if I have a patient that just wants to walk, right? The PT can work on strengthening their legs, strengthening their body, to get stronger, to stand, and to walk. Now me, on the other hand, I'm going to do similar things, but we're gonna do it in a functional way. So do you have the strength to stand in front of the sink and brush your teeth? Or do you have to take breaks? Do you need the wheelchair behind you so you can sit down and take a break? Or can you stand and tolerate how long it may take you to brush your teeth, to wash your hands, to comb your hair. If you're taking a shower, can you be able to stand and tolerate the amount of time you take a shower? Or do you need something like a tub bench or a shower bench in the shower so you can sit down and still participate in that meaningful occupation like showering, which everybody should do. <laughs> so we think of strength in a functional sense. PTs, look at strength of just regaining and restoring, 
OTs take it to another level and apply that strength into a specific activity. So you see the difference here, right? OTs and PTs are not the same. I hope you guys understand that. We're good to go. <laughs> and um, the last one I can think of is OTs just play and do arts and crafts or we just play games. You know, I, I've heard that so many times from patients or um, just people in general that are like, oh, OTs just, they just play. We just play at our job. Or, you know, sometimes that is true if you work with kids, but you don't understand the science behind it, right? Like, yes, it looks like that kiddo is going on a swing and it's going through obstacle courses and just playing with shaving cream and you know, picking up pom-poms and all this other stuff or making an arts or crafts activity. They look like we're making crafts and it looks like we're just playing. But if you really dive in and do an activity analysis of what the task is about, there's so much to it. So for example, I did my field work in a school setting when I was in grad school for my level two pediatric field work. And I was doing a lot of crafts <laughs> with these kids. A lot of crafts, a lot of obstacle courses, a lot of scavenger hunts. We did a lot of those things. And it did look like play. It really did. But once we, um, we did an activity analysis, we understood the assignment that majority of these kids were one, having trouble with having, um, they were having trouble holding their pencil to write things, right? So what we did, we made it fun. Yes, they were doing a scavenger hunt, but what we were really focusing on in this point is them being able to pick up items and be able to even write what the item was from the paper that they had on their hand. So if they found, let's say, a butterfly, they would have to write out butterfly on their paper. And that's when we're able to really give them verbal cues, maybe tactile cues or something to show them that this is how you're supposed to hold your pencil. Even with obstacle courses, they may go on the swing, they may jump on um, a little box and then they have to go around and go through a tunnel and all these other things and it looks like play but we are one with the swing we're making sure that the vestibular system is not out of whack that they're able to know where their body is in space also known as proprioception they're able to jump from one box to another that's all about gross motor movements that's all about proprioception are they able to not overshoot or undershoot how high they're going to jump to clear the box? Can they bring their body into a specific position to crawl into the tunnel correctly, working on core strength, working on upper body and lower body strength? So these are just examples. And I really, this is how I think of things too, like as an OT, it's always activity analysis that yes, my patient may have difficulty dressing themselves, but now I have to break that task apart. What kind of movements does this patient have to be able to do in order to put on their shirt, to take off their shirt? 
What muscles are being engaged here? Are they going to be standing while doing this activity? Are they going to be sitting while doing this activity? And once I have that idea, I know exactly what type of activities we're going to incorporate into sessions because this is the goal. So I really hope you guys understand that, yes, we, it may look like play. It may look like crafts. It may look like they're playing with like these little toys and things of that nature. But there's always a purpose behind the activity. And there's a lot of activity analysis within this whole ordeal. All right. Um, I'm not going to prolong this episode. That's actually like a few myths that I have heard about OT that I really wanted to debunk today. Are there any others that you have heard in terms of myths that you know is not true and you want to debunk them too? Definitely hit me up and let's have a conversation because this is really something important to talk about because OT is a little bit over a year old. We're still kind of new and people still don't know what we do. So I'm here to debunk these myths and the more people are out there to do that same thing, the more people are going to understand what we actually do. All right. So with that being said, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything I mentioned in this episode, definitely hit me up. You guys have my email and my Instagram. You can use either or. I'm always going to answer you back. But that's all I got. I'm going to talk to you guys next time. Thank you so much for everything that you guys have been doing in support of this podcast. This podcast wouldn't be where it is without you're listening without your support, without you sharing the episodes. I'm still so happy about how far we have come. I just even thought about September 23rd, made a year since the creation of this podcast, which is mind blowing. Like, wow, we made a year. This is huge. So I just want to keep going and I just want to keep growing, (laughs) keep going and keep growing. That's the best way I can put it. So I'm just going to stop because I can ramble about how excited I am about this podcast. And I'm so glad that I, I went for it and didn't, you know, wait. I'm glad I, I did it when I, I felt it was the right time to do it. So if you love the podcast and you want to be a part of the podcast too you want to be a guest email me if you have a topic in mind a topic suggestion email me <laughs> anything you guys want to say email me it is reaching your potential 96 at gmail.com but yeah that's it y'all <laughs> talk to you guys soon peace out